What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith from ESPN. This is former world champion boxer Showtime Sean Porter. Hey, this is Kobe Altman from World Cleveland Cavaliers. Hi, this is Joe Tate. And you're listening to Sports Power Talk. Listen to Sports Power Talk. You're listening to Sports Power Talk on WZIP. Ladies and gentlemen, live from the University of Akron, the best sports talk show there is, was, and ever will be. It's time for Sports Power Talk with the latest in sports news. That's right! Donovan Mitchell is coming to Cleveland! Let's go! In-depth analysis. He looked calm. He looked comfortable. There were no real shot plays or anything. Just a couple quick game stuff. Scrambling. Pocket presence looked fine. And, of course, the hottest takes. If you think bust in the NBA, who is the first name that pops in your head? I don't know how you guys feel, but, like, Trey Young. What? Bro, what are you talking about, man? For the best that Ohio sports has to offer. To the best of the Akron Zips. Now it's time for SPT. What is going on, SPT listeners from near and far and everybody here in the great city of Akron, Ohio? It's time for Sports Power Talk right here on WZIP Akron. Once again, I am your host, Logan Congrove. Congrove. Man, don't even know my own name this morning. And joining me today in his first appearance on SPT, it is DJ Drew Bailey. Drew, how are you doing this fine Akron morning? Logan Congrove, I am, I'm great this morning. <laughs> Super excited to be here and talk ball with you guys this morning. Couldn't be more thrilled to have you, Drew. And on the other side of the desk, making his long-awaited sports power talk return, he is back for the first time since July. It is King Alex Henry. Alex the floor is yours. I'm back, baby. Feels good to be back. I know everybody missed <laughs> this voice. It's hard not to, Logan. It's hard not to love this voice and uh, have to go so many Sundays without it. And I'm sorry. So I want to apologize for that. <laughs> but uh, now everybody gets to hear my voice and my great takes again. So I'm Absolutely. really happy to be back. The goat is back. <laughs> the goat is back. Also joining us in studio today is our new member, Maya. Maya, they can't hear you, but what's up? Good morning. <laughs> Uh, we got a lot of great things to talk about today. Some Zips basketball in the first segment. Then we'll jump into some NBA headlines as well as some big college basketball games that happened last night. And then in the second hour, we will talk Cleveland Cavaliers and finish off with Super Bowl previews and hot mic. If you haven't gotten your chance to get your questions in, head over to our X at WZIP Sports. Drop your questions and we will answer them live on the air. They can be as fun or dumb as you want. Just go right ahead, drop them at WZIP Sports on Twitter, but not while you're driving. We don't condone that here at WZIP Sports. But let's jump right into it and start off with the women's basketball program who dropped on Saturday to the Miami Redhawks, 58-48. to uh, Good showing, again, of course, from Reagan Bass. 36 minutes, 13 points, 4 for 10 shooting with 12 boards, followed by Tanisha Clark, 25 minutes with 10 points. Also, Kaya Woods, 20 minutes with 10 points. Uh, Drew, I'll kick it to you first for your first take in SPT history for you. What what did you see out of this game from the women's team? You know, a 10-point loss, so obviously not the result the women wanted in this one, but one thing I liked from the ladies, you know, good balance in the scoring column. Six ladies, you know, scoring. Reagan Bass was the leader with 13, but, you know, also Clark with 10, Woods with 10, so I liked how, you know, the ladies kind of shared the load on the offensive end. Alex? It's interesting because when you're looking at this team, Logan, um, you see them all scoring, and you see them playing well as a team. And I'm one of these guys 
uh, that believes, you know, you don't need, like, a leader and everybody else to be system. I think a team runs well together when all systems are, are running. Uh, and I, I just, I'm so curious as to what is happening and how it's happening. It seems, if I had to guess, that they struggle. If they go down early, they cannot get a rhythm to come back, is, is my guess on what's happening. And uh, to fix that, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, is it mental? Is it better initial game plans coming out the gate? You know, like what's, you know, in uh, football, what's our first 15 plays? Uh, that's what they, you know, you figure that out. Um, I'm not sure how that works in basketball. I didn't ever play in the high school, but um, I'm sure it's similar in the aspect of, hey, what's our game plan going to be early? And uh, I just think they struggle on that aspect. If, if I had to give my uh, take. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I agree. I think we talk about this a lot on this show. I don't think it's a mentality thing. I think it's just a matter of getting integrated to, and I mean, at this point, I don't even know if you can use this anymore, but still getting integrated to a new system, a lot of new players from based off of last season. But I think it's a building process for this Zips women's program, but a lot of good pieces to build on. Coach Gensler has a lot of good things to say before and after games, even during losses. Um, looking ahead for the Zips, they play Eastern Michigan at Eastern Michigan on the road, and then they finish out the MAC with Buffalo, Bowling Green, and Kent are their next three going into the towards the end of their season. Uh, what are you looking for? Because obviously, this isn't a team that's looking like they're going to qualify for the MAC tournament. So, if you are the women's program, if you're Coach Gensler, what are you using the remainder of the season for? Well, I see people like freshman uh, Tanisha Clark who are starting to step up and get into their groove, you know, Drew and I were talking before the show, there's a lot of players on this team that we haven't really even seen touch the court. And I'm not saying, you know, that's a bad coaching decision or whatnot, but when you understand that you don't really have a shot, there's no point to keep fighting like you have a shot. It's start to, in my opinion, it's time to start looking at next season. So let's start playing some of these bench players who don't get a lot of playing time. Uh, I'm not saying stardom in the sense of they're going to play the whole game. But uh, let's integrate them uh, to see how well uh, they do. So when you know we get ready for next year, um, we we have that. Yeah, I think the next few weeks are all about building momentum and starting to develop for the future. You know, it's it's not a bad thing to recognize you're probably not going to compete for championships this year. Most likely not going to qualify for the NCAA tournament. But this is a young squad. I think, like Alex said, you got to focus on cycling the younger players and getting them more experience for next year, looking ahead to next year's squad. Yeah, absolutely. Looking at the women's MAC tournament bracket, the way it would shake out right now. If the season ended today, it would be one Ball State taking on eight Northern Illinois. Number five, Bowling Green taking on Buffalo. Number two, Toledo takes on Ohio. And number six, Western Michigan would take on number three, Kent State. Looking at that bracket, uh, based off what you what you know about what you've seen throughout the year with Zips, women's basketball, what, what are you expecting out of the women's MAC tournament? I have no idea. <laughs> I, 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 and I don't say that in a sense of ignorance. I say that in a sense of I feel like this season a lot of teams have went up and down. Um, so I don't really know what happens. And, and just like the men's MAC tournament, I really don't try to even look that much into it until second round. Um, so I'm not sure. Yeah, it's unpredictable. I think, again, not said with ignorance, I think it's just the situation at hand for the bracket um, especially when when your school isn't necessarily one that is being looked at in that in that light, mm-hmm. it's more difficult for me to make a prediction because I haven't 
I haven't followed it as much as I would have if Akron was making a run for the MAC tournament. Uh, before we switch over to the men's side, though, wh- how long do you think this quote-unquote rebuild will take? When when will we see the Akron women's team back in a qualification position for the MAC conference? I have no idea. I have no idea because I just I'm not sure. Like I said earlier, I'm not sure what they need to do. I don't know if it's a talent thing. I'm not sure if it's a coaching thing or a strategic thing or even a practice thing. I mean, things people don't even think about like that. Um, I'm not sure what it is that they need to really fix because I'm not saying on paper they look like the best team in the MAC um, by any means. But, you know, when I look at this team, I, I often I just can't really put my finger on why they keep losing. So I'm not too sure. If you're a Zips fan, I think it's it's realistic and it's reasonable to kind of see a turnaround in the next two, three, maybe four years. I mean, it's the first year of a new system, so you can't really, you know, blame the squad for for the season they're having. But, you know, as we get into year two, year three, year four of this new system, I think we need to see, you know, incremental progress each year and, you know, hopefully be a contender in a couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I think more the more that this team can get integrated and the more they can kind of figure out what kind of talent they really have past one season, I think we'll see them back shortly. Um, but let's, as for now, let's switch over to the men's side of the ball where Akron defeated Toledo on Friday night, 77-74, to the number one seed in the MAC. An excellent showing from Ali Ali, 35 minutes, 26 points. Mike Dawson probably had one of the best games of his entire career, or definitely since he's been back from injury, 33 minutes, 14 points, 5 for 11 shooting. Uh, Greg Tribble, 26 minutes, 6 points. Good contribution there. But Enrique Freeman, of course, 25 minutes, 20 points, shooting 6 for 8. A lot of great stuff from all of them. And then as for Toledo, Akron did a pretty good job defensively. Nobody over 16 points, which may seem like a lot, but in a close game like this, it's good that they were able to hold Toledo to, especially guys like like Dante Maddox, Raheem Moss, held them under 20 points, which is a very good defensive showing for the Zips. Alex, go ahead. I am just hyped about, well, number one, beating Toledo. But uh, you know what we've seen recently is this Zips be a first-half team. Mm-hmm. And we've seen it since Kent. And one of my biggest things, and I am so optimistic about this team, so I keep thinking about the March Madness tournament. You know, I, I'll, I'll say it that early. And I always say, you know, we can't just be a second-half team in the dance. we got to be a first- and second-half team. I mean, if you're able to, to go up 34 what are 27 20 34 like crazy points up early dude that's so big and to do it against a team like toledo um is just incredible so i i'm happy to see us starting to be a first half team now we also need to be the second half team we've been all season two and you know just because we are getting up early stop letting off the gas in that second half and I'm not saying that they're not letting off the gas in terms of not trying as hard because that, that team tries hard all the way through until the last second. Uh, but let's just keep going. You know, shots need to fall both sides. Drew? Yes, sir, Alex. I like the point you bring up about being a first-half team. I think being a first-half team, coming out strong, I think that's a good habit to get into as we progress into February and March. You know, if the Zips, you know, hopefully will be playing in March Madness, if we can come out and punch, you know, a higher seed, maybe a four-seed, five-seed in the mouth, I think that's how upsets start. So I think that's, you know, the Zips are coming out strong. The end of the game, I think that's just something we, you know, we've let a couple leads slip, but, you know, we've been able to, to hold on for 
for wins for the most part. So I think, you know, continuing the habit of coming out strong and just finding ways to execute at the end of the game, that's that's how we, we prep for, for postseason. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is a great showing from Akron all around. As mentioned, um, they're, I think this team is definitely looking ahead at this point. Uh, it's pretty clear that they are the front runner for the MAC, and hopefully it stays that way. Uh, looking ahead to the next game for Akron, they play Central Michigan. That one is at the Jar on Tuesday at seven o'clock. Let's get a little bit into a preview for this uh, ahead of one of the bigger games of the season, which we'll talk about next. Uh, what is coming off a big win like this against Toledo? What do you think that mindset for Akron is right now? Keep playing hard. Show them, show them why we're the team that beat Toledo. Genuinely, Like, say, hey, you know, we do this to everybody. We don't care. I want to blow them out. Logan, I want to blow them out. A blowout sounds great. You know, there's no easy games in this conference. Central Michigan, they're now second in the MAC. So two games in a row, two games in a row, the Zips are taking on the next best team in the MAC. Yeah, Alex, I agree with you. I think this could be a statement game. Show everyone that we're not here to play around in the MAC. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely needs to be a statement game, I think, especially heading into only a few games left to close out your year and make your case pretty known as to where you are with your with your talent, where you are with your roster, where you want to be going into March and further than that, hopefully. But uh, against Central Michigan at home, I think another big key is the crowd needs to come back. Drew, I, you can speak to this because you were there as a fan. Talk about the energy for that Toledo game. Oh, dude, the jar was bumping, okay? I showed up a little bit late, actually. I went to go sit with the Rowdies, and it was full. I couldn't even sit with the Rowdies. That whole place, you know, was packed. I think the jar is one of the most underrated home environments in the country. It's always bumping. You know, Akron's home record over the last few years really speaks to that. And I think if we can have a similar, you know, showing on a Tuesday night against Central Michigan, that, you know, that always helps our boys. True. Were you, how loud were you? Like, decibel level. It wasn't. It broke the scale. It wasn't even. <laughs> I was fired up. The rowdies are fired up. You know, a great student section. You know, that place is always. Were you chirping? I was chirping a little bit. Good. Good. Kept it PG for the most part, but I was I was letting the Rockets know about it. Fair. Yeah. That's fair. Absolutely. Uh, let's talk about what else is ahead for Akron. I think arguably one of the bigger games of the season. We get a break from the MAC conference for one game as Akron goes back into the MAC against Sunbelt Conference Challenge. They're traveling to James Madison. Now, the stats on this, James Madison has only lost to a MAC team one time. It was in 2003 against Akron. And Akron is obviously on a recent tear heading into an environment like James Madison. This is a team that came in at the beginning of the season and took Kent to triple overtime. It's probably arguably one of the best games in college basketball the entire season. I remember it was nationally televised. It was a fantastic game. I mean, I even got to give credit to Kent. That was, I think, probably their best game of the season despite the loss. Um, what are you looking for? What are your thoughts on this matchup in the Sun Belt Conference with Akron? What, obviously, it doesn't affect their, their MAC record at all. So going into this, how do you keep your mindset straight and still look at this like it's a big game? I can't, Logan. Can I be a little selfish? Of course. When I hear that we're on national TV versus a big team, and look, I do not want this to be the team's mentality at all. But I can't help to think that I want to see a guy like Enrique Freeman just absolutely ball out on national television. Win or lose, I want to see Enrique Freeman ball out on national television because he is one of the best players in the country right now. He, I mean, I don't want to, like, go too deep on Reek in case he's listening and, like, you know, put a lot of pressure <laughs> on or anything. 
But, I mean, this is his time to shine. Honestly, there's something to be said outside of if we make the March Madness tournament that this is a bigger game to get his name out there than the MAC tournament championship, genuinely. So I want to see Enrique really ball out, and uh, I, I think they have to win, too. I think not only do they need – I mean, win or lose, I want to see him ball out. But for us to win in terms of, like, looking at the March Madness tournament, that's going to help us so much. Of course, yeah. We talk about Tuesday being a statement game. I think Saturday's game at JMU, that could be a coming out party for the Zips. You know, it's a non-conference game. You know, it's unique. So the country is going to be tuned in. I believe that's 6 p.m. on ESPN. And James Madison, you need to get ready to learn Enrique Freeman, buddy, okay? We're going to pound him the rock inside. Ali and Freeman, I think, you know, like Alex said, I think they can show out well on national TV. I think the country's going to be talking about the Zips. They're going to be talking about our boys after Saturday. When you think about the double-doubles Enrique Freeman's putting on and the fact that it's not just getting talked about everywhere is insane. Like, he, honestly, Enrique just has to have an average game. Just being on national television will be big enough. So he, he's really been a dog recently. I'd like to see us win. Um, that game as well. Yeah, another point about Freeman. I don't think he has to have an amazing game. Even Friday against Toledo, he maybe didn't have his best game, but he's just been been so consistent. I, he still had a double double, and, and it, he was in foul trouble. Still had twenty and fourteen, and it didn't even feel like it was close to his best performance. That's the level he's playing at. And he uh, he surpassed uh, LCJ on the all time scoring did, list, which was going to bring up my next point. I'm glad that you brought that up. Mm. You know, this this could turn into a potential debate here, Alex. Mm. It's set, so, as you mentioned, Enrique Freeman surpasses Zip's great Lauren Christian Jackson to become the number six on the all-time Akron scoring list. Now, on the other hand, on this same night, Ali Ali scores his 1,000th career point and now has 1,019 career points, and 902 of them come as a Zip. I think this brings up the argument, Alex, and I'm not arguing really who is better. I want to argue right now who is more important to this Akron Zips roster, Ali Ali or Enrique Freeman? Now, again, let's preface this whole argument. These two guys are both legends. We we need them both. And this isn't a matter of who's better. It's a matter of right now where this Akron basketball team is, who is more important to this roster. I said that when I look at Enrique Freeman and Ali Ali, it reminds me of Shaq and Kobe. In the sense of, you know, Kobe, he he uh, he might have been getting all the all the light, all the attention, but at the end of the day, Shaq was winning the the Finals MVPs. You know, he he's arguably the most important piece of the puzzle. Now, who is who in my who is who? You That's prob- the question. You would, you would probably think that I'm going to say, well, of course. I mean, positionally, Enrique Shaq, right and and Ali Ali's Kobe. I mean, just just mm-hmm. look at it. But I think when you really look at the team's leader, the guy who deserves that Finals MVP, even though he hasn't played all season, I think it's Ali. I mean, Ali and Gross said this. Gross has said this multiple times. His basketball IQ is insane, and he knows how to be a role player and fit wherever he needs to fit in the puzzle. He can do that. And what what stinks with Enrique, uh, and it's been his, his problem for the past two years, not his problem, uh, but the problem he's had to deal with is these double-triple teams. So, so, you know, when you're 
the the game can't revolve around a guy who who is getting double teamed like this, which is why it's so important for him to to get those rebounds and get those double doubles, you know, and those points in the paint when he can. But when I think of like the guy, even though he wasn't here last season, Logan, I think of Ali. I do. Yeah, I think Freeman. If if we're just going off who's the better player. I'm still going to give it to Freeman. You know, all the double-doubles, the stats are there. But I agree with you, Alex. I think Ali is more important. I think he's the emotional leader of this team. You know, he always is bringing the energy. He has swag. He has aura. You know, he's always providing energy. A couple games this year, he's gotten teed up, you know. I was going to ask you about that. What, what, uh... I saw it on TV, but what was the fan point of view for Ali's tech after his shot? Ali, he's an intense guy, okay? He's, you know, he's not going to back down. He was he was hot in the first half. I don't I don't remember how many points he had in the first half, but he made a jumper. I didn't you know turn. I didn't see exactly what he said, but he turned to the Toledo bench, gave him some choice words, and I don't. I mean that's happened in the whole game. I feel like the refs kind of pick and choose when to throw out technicals. So it didn't seem to be anything too bad. You know he was fired up. He you know chirped at the bench. The refs didn't like it. Dude, I like it. I I don't. I I think he gets a little too much tease for that. I, I like it. Who's their coach? John Gross, the most <laughs> nippy coach in college basketball. I mean, if there's a coach that just loves to yell about a call, I mean, it's it's Coach Gross. So, you know, you you also learn from your coaches in that aspect. If you have a coach who doesn't argue a lot, then you probably shouldn't be arguing either. But, you know, Gross, Gross sets the example in that way. And maybe that's not the example he wants to set. I don't know. But when you talk about Ali getting fired up, I never think Coach Gross is going out there to argue because he just wants to – to pick a fight. He, he's genuinely passionate about what he believes. That's why he goes out there and yells at those rest. I think that's what Ali does as well. Yeah, same thing with Ali. He's just an intense guy. I was at the Kent game sitting towards the top of the Rowdy, so I had a good bird's eye view of the court. At the end of the game, there's just Kent fans sitting half court. Him and Ollie were chirping. You know, every time Ollie would get a foul, the guy would stand up, you know, clap in his face. And Ollie was coming right back at him. And maybe you don't need to do that, okay? It's a random fan, okay? Maybe you don't need to pay attention. You know, there's a certain crowd that, you know, would say, you know, act like you've been there, you know, ignore ignore the crowd. But, you know, Ollie, it seems to motivate him. You know, he, he, he finds a guy in the crowd who's letting him know a little bit. And, I think you know, Ollie hit some big shots against Kent. Let that fan know. Against Toledo on Friday, you know, dribbling out at the end of the game. I don't know if you guys caught this, but instead of just dribbling out the clock, he's dribbling through Toledo players' legs. He's, you know, weaving <laughs> between them. Unnecessary, but I love it, you know. That's the intensity that I love from Ali Ali. I like it a lot. I, I don't mind at all that he's chirpy like that. I think it brings a great energy to the game and brings a great energy to the rest of his teammates. I mean, you can see... When they show the bench, they're all they're going crazy every time he does it, or they laugh at him. Sometimes they just laugh at him. Mm-hmm. It's I, it makes me wonder, like, what's a practice environment with him, like, like with his with his teammates and I bet stuff. It's intense. I'm you sure know, more than funny and like fun. I bet the same way in a competitive nature, the same way that he you know kind of chirps with other teams. I'm sure that's the same way he is with his teammates at practice. Yeah, I'm not saying I think things get physical. You know, a lot of altercations happen, but I definitely think it probably gets dirty, for sure. Yeah, I could see it. And Gross has actually said multiple times that their practice sessions are very intense. They even like guys like Evan Wilson, Zach Halligan, the scout team players. There, he said they're locked in and just as intense as if they were starters. Players, yeah, absolutely. We got about a little under five minutes left to go in this segment, so I wanted to look at the projection for the MAC tournament that came out today. Uh, Now that Akron is the sole one seed. Looking at the bracket, it would be on the bottom half, 
It would be Central Michigan at 2 taking on Miami at 7. And Western Michigan at 6 taking on Toledo at 3. As for the top half of the bracket, it would be number 5, OU, taking on 4, Bowling Green. And you guessed it, it would be number 1, Akron, taking on number 8, Kent State, in the first round. So let's take a serious look at this tournament, dive into it. Let's look at the roadmap for Akron. You kind of you kind of spoke to this the other day, Alex. I'll, go ahead. You can let let the listeners know what your thoughts were if Akron were to claim that one seed, which they did. Top spot's the easy spot. Top spot is the spot you want to be. Uh, and of course, the sense of playing, you know, the one versus eight seed. I'm not. I don't just mean that. I mean, I'm obviously. I mean, in sense of the games after that, win or lose, we beat either of those teams. Uh, to make it to the championship. And I think that bottom bracket, there's some That's teams a tough bracket. that we struggled against. There's some teams that we struggled against. I think Central Michigan will be a telling on yeah. Tuesday to see how that goes. So, yeah, 100%. Um, so, I, I've, yeah, I said to you, Logan, I want to stay on the top part of the bracket as it stands right now. Not on that bottom half. Uh, maybe we're not first seed, um, but to stay on that top Part of the bracket, I think, is the easier uh, key to the championship. Drew? Yes, sir. I agree that the top bracket is definitely more favorable for the Zips right now. We see Miami as the seven seed. Miami, of course, handing the Zips our only conference loss. I'm not sure I love that first-round matchup against Kent. You know, it's always it's always going to be a battle against Kent. Now, you know, I have complete confidence the Zips would, would pull away, but... Not sure if you want a rivalry game first round of the tournament. You know, maybe that's an emotional game that could be taxing. But OU and Bowling Green at the 4-5, the Zips have handled both of those squads. I feel good about both of those teams. So, you know, I think, of course, you know, you want to be the one seed. And I think the Zips are going to have supreme confidence no matter who we play first round. That and if the championship went Zips Toledo. I mean, I'm not going to lie. And this happened with Kent, too. It's happened with a few games where... The box score is not as telling as the game. I mean, I think we really had our way with Toledo. Sure, it was a hard-fought game, and there's points where it could have went either way. But, I mean, I really think we had our way with them. So, that's a game I wouldn't mind to see again. Like, I think that's very favorable. Plus, historically, Toledo chokes. (laughs) In the tournament. Yeah, they do. At some point, whether it's the championship or sometimes it's the first round, they are not a tournament team. They never have been. I remember the years they could never get past Buffalo. Now, Buffalo's terrible now, but the years when Buffalo was not terrible, they could never get past Buffalo. Now you got them, they they can't get past Akron. Or last year, they can't get past Kent. It's the same. And they had a dude that last night. If, you're, if we're talking last year for Toledo, they had a dude, Ray J. Dennis, that last night was the leading scorer for Baylor and a big upset one in the Big 12. Like, they, they had a team last year, yeah. and they still they just can't get there, even when they're the one seed. And there's something very telling about Kent in the MAC tournament where, you know, how good, how bad they are. Either way, I think Kent fans show up to the MAC tournament more than any other fans in the MAC uh, by far. And I've been to the past two tournaments. Um, this will be my third, and I've been following it longer than that. And it's always so many Kent fans, a lot. and that helps them. I mean, honestly, I think when we get them at home, we're going to destroy them because the only reason we did like they did well in that second half was because of that home court advantage. Literally, because their team still played bad, um, their best players played awful, but their fans just mm-hmm. really got. And honestly, it's like. Their fans aren't even loud all the time. They're just loud when they need them to be. And, right. Uh, but they show up, and they, they usually do pretty well in that tournament, too. I was going to bring that up as well, that I think that 
even like seating wise, I think this game at the Jar will be telling. If Akron can handle them at home at the Jar and beat them at Kent State, I'll be more confident to play them in the first round if that's how it shakes out. Yeah. If it's still close and we're in our home environment, I would be a little bit more nervous to see Kent in the first round. Right. Because they're just a team that has their way. As you mentioned, it's a team you can't really ever count out at any point. It's yeah. they're they're always they're solid in the back. They're always there. However, that's going to do it for our first segment here on SPT. When we come back, we're going to jump into some NBA headlines, talk about some college basketball games outside of the MAC that happened. Lots of good ones from ESPN yesterday, slate of games. When we come back on Sports Power Talk right here on WCIP. Welcome back to Sports Power Talk on WZIP. Once again, I'm your host, Logan Congrove. And joining me on the other side of the desk is Chewbacca, Alex Henry. LeBron James. And DJ True Bailey. We are so back. Also in the studio is Maya. Maya, thank you for being here. We're excited to have you on in two short weeks. I think I'm right on that if I'm not. Yeah, two weeks, I think. Let's jump into it, guys. We got some NBA headlines to talk about. Starting off with the NBA All-Star Reserves. Now... I want to pass it over to you guys first before we even read the list. Um, who, do, who was your favorite reserve chosen this year? Because there was a lot of that could be considered starters. So who was your favorite all-star reserve that was picked? Aside from Donovan Mitchell, that feels like the obvious pick. I'm going to go Jalen Brunson for the New York Knicks. You know, he's averaging, I think, 27 a game. The Knicks are playing well. I'm not a Knicks fan. I'm still a little salty about how they manhandled my Cavs in the playoffs last year. But I got to, you know, (laughs) tip my cap to Brunson. You know, he didn't really shine as much in Dallas. Signed a big contract with the Knicks. A lot of people were skeptical, but he's really, you know, had a big breakout the last couple years. You know, I'm I'm happy for him that he's getting his flowers now, making his first all-star appearance. Good pick. I don't mind putting a guy like uh, Julius Randle in. 24 points and 9 uh, rebounds per game. 5 assists. That's not bad for a center no. in today's league at all. Um, so, yeah, I don't mind him. He barely made it, but I don't mind it. I'm a big Tyrese Maxey fan. Mm-hmm. I think Maxey's having such a good year, and he's so entertaining to watch for the 76ers, especially when the 76ers have one of my least favorite players of all time. So I, I, I enjoy watching Maxey in his place. That, that would be Joel Embiid. I'm not a Joel Embiid fan. Although your argument on Joel Embiid could be brought up at some point, dude. Well, his knee. Actually, you want to just do it now? I'm down, honestly, dude. But you I'm down just do it bad. Now? I'm down bad on this argument right now. It's not a great time to bring it up, but Alex, I feel like we I want to hear this. Story. Alex, go ahead and just tell tell your argument, Drew. This is I totally disagree with this. By the way, I'm excited. Totally for this. disagree with better this. Better overall player all time. Joel Embiid over Shaquille O'Neal. Absolutely a horrible you, take. Mind you, yeah, Shaquille O'Neal is one of my favorite players of all time. But if I'm talking about an overall, overall package, the whole package, I would want Joel Embiid over Shaquille O'Neal every time. Modern I'm taking bias. Shaq, no. I'm Modern taking Shaq. Bias. Embiid is a free throw merchant with aluminum knees. I'm taking Shaq every day of the week. Yeah, I, I think this plays into this argument I had with LB last week, dude. It, I don't know about all that. Shaq, there's never been a player in NBA history like Shaq. Yeah, he only had one career three-point shot ever. Ever. Joel Embiid, he'd be splashing from the arc all the time. Why, though? Dude, Like, what's Joel the point Embiid? in that? Be I don't man, know, maybe having 35 points a game? I don't know, maybe Who having cares? 35 points a game. You're a center. He's the only... Yeah, you don't I, need to be shooting those. He's a center who gets 35 points a game and still gets 12 rebounds a game. Logan. That's what I... That's what Shaq... That's what I'm trying to say. I understand Shaquille O'Neal is better in terms of center. He's the greatest of all time. But if I'm looking at, like, okay, 
positionally, like, overall just basketball player. And I know it's crazy. And right now it's not a good argument. Now, I bring this up last season, and I think more people are definitely on my side. You know, the guys should have won MVP for, like, two years. Um, yeah, I mean, come on. Over 30 points and 13, 12 rebounds a game? I mean, that's crazy. I mean, and the fact, dude has a, dude has a handle bag. Like, bro crosses over players. That's crazy to me. Shaq, Shaq just overall. Shaq so, overall. Was so okay. generational, bro. Yeah, man. Yeah. Just shoot, yes. making all those points in the paint, huh? He was just so good at being seven foot nine, eight hundred pounds in the paint. He was just that made him just such Shaq a made a difference that on every him, team he played made, for. When he was eight foot eight foot tall, seven hundred pounds Shaquille O'Neal in the paint, he was really such a good overall ball player. Dude, he he's a generational talent. There's never been somebody if I was if I was seven foot two and seven thousand pounds, I would also be a generational player. Because nobody would stop me in the paint. It's not like MB's a small Embiid, guy. No, he's not. But the fact is, he understood that not only am I gonna get points in the paint, but I'm gonna learn how to get points elsewhere. And Shaquille O'Neal played way too long, mind you, in the NBA. And decided I'm never going to do anything else but just get points in the paint. So I don't understand how you can actually say Shaq is a better overall player when all he's getting is boards and points I'll tell you how. And following out. Exactly why you just said your argument is invalid today. Because Joel Embiid doesn't play basketball half the time. But what happened with Shaq, though? Let's talk about Shaq. Shaq? Let's talk about Shaq's last eight years in the NBA. We foul him because he can't shoot free throws. And so you're talking it. like Cleveland and Boston, Shaq? Like 10 years past his prime? Phoenix and Phoenix? He was okay in Phoenix. But this is, what I, this is what I mean, though. The fact is, once you figured him out, it was easy. That he had to quit. It took 15 years to figure him out, though. Well, yeah. It took until he was a diluted version of what? himself in Cleveland for anyone to figure out anything about him. Yeah, and now that that game plan's figured out... That's what happens to centers today. That's why you got have guys like Jokic, which you know I don't like Jokic, or guys like Joel, where not only are these centers, you know, shooting shooting from the paint, but they're they're uh, they're getting it all around. And Joel is nice on defense too. Shaq was nice on defense too, but Joel's, he's scared to play Jokic though. I'd be scared to play Jokic. I ain't gonna lie. He doesn't want to play Jokic because overall, overall, he's not listen, a I understand now is not my day to argue this, but <laughs> if you really go into it with an open mind, I mean, it shouldn't be hard to say Joel Embiid's a greater overall player than Shaq. I mean, heck, Joel averages almost six assists a game. Shaq would only ever average like three or four. I'll tell you what uh, Joel Embiid is missing, too. Uh, they go on your fingers. They're called rings. That's true. Joel Embiid can't win a ring. The Sixers choke in the playoffs every never, single year. He never had his Kobe. He never had his Kobe. Tyrese Maxey. Maxey. No. Max. Stop. Maxey. We're not comparing Maxey. Tyrese Maxey to Kobe Bryant. Maxey. I mean, you wouldn't Think tell me that's it. a bad take. No, no, no. Oh, no, just, just in the sense. That's a good sidekick. Yeah. He tried with James Harden. He yeah. failed. He yeah, had, come on. They gave him James Harden. He had Jimmy Butler. Oh, yeah. They, they gave, gave him Jimmy. Harden. Yeah, they gave him James Harden. James Harden. They gave him Jimmy and James Harden. James Harden's awful. And he's not James Harden had one of actually no James Harden had the greatest statistical season in NBA history with the Rockets. I don't care. His MVP season was the greatest statistical season in NBA it history. It was fine. And I will say I actually um 
outside of the fact that like James Harden's like kind of a diva in the sense of he he thinks he's never the problem when he is. Dude is pretty good at basketball. He doesn't act like in terms of talent, he really doesn't give his get his credit. But uh I mean yeah, you can't I mean you put James Harden, he's not a role player. Or he's not a uh, nah, he's not that. a he's not a <laughs> um a team player. He's a me player. I think he's doing fine as a team player in the Clippers right now. They're playing well. Yeah, now he's washed. He can't do the same things. Washed. He's a wash. You think no. he's gonna wash? No. I don't know if he's prime MVP hard. No. I don't think he's washed at all. He's averaging 16, 8, and 4 right now. Oh, 16, 8, and 4. On a team that's near the, the top of the Western Conference. The averaging almost 40 a game. I mean, come on. Embiid's a better player than Harden right now. I'll say that, of course. But I hope so. Yeah. Okay, Drew's other argument. He had Jimmy Butler at one point. He did. He had Ben Simmons before he uh, lost his mind. That's true. Yeah, Ben Simmons had an okay year. I think, oh, dude, I think Ben was probably his best player at the time because they played well together. Uh That's the other thing. I mean, we talk about, like, um, you know, why I think LeBron's the GOAT. You could put LeBron with anybody, and he's going to be able to play good with them. Um, But, you know, you look at our Cavs, and you see, like, oh, man, let's put these guys together. And they just, like, struggle to play together. Um, It is kind of difficult. You know, against Joel, but I don't think this should hurt him. But to play with a guy who is talented everywhere on the court, even though he's a center, does make it difficult to, you know, properly set up a good rhythm. And I actually think him and Harden are doing a pretty good job with that right now, too. And it's very reminiscent of what he did with Simmons. Yeah, absolutely. I know this was getting into 76ers talk. But no, I know, I know. <laughs> I was just about to redirect. Uh, let me let me read these reserves off, and we can kind of talk about them and see if anybody we think was left out. Or Yeah, we'll go from there. Eastern Conference reserves, Miami Heat's Bam Adebayo, Orlando Magic's Paolo Bancaro, Boston Celtics' Jalen Brown, New York's the Knicks' Jalen Brunson, Tyrese Maxey from the Sixers, Donovan Mitchell from the Cavs, and Julius Randle from the Knicks. As for the West... Devin Booker from the Suns, Steph Curry from the Warriors, Anthony Davis from the Lakers, Anthony Edwards from the Timberwolves, Paul George from the Clippers, Kawhi Leonard from the Clippers, and Carl Anthony Towns from the Timberwolves. Do you see any names that are missing that you consider to be missed? I do. I see a couple. I'll start in the Western Conference. You know, one of a guy I think is super underrated. He's getting more attention this year. Down in Houston for the Rockets, it's the young center, Alperin Shengun, the the Turkish player. I, I would have liked to see him over Carl Anthony Towns. And, of course, the NBA values winning. The Timberwolves are tied for first in the Western Conference. Towns is which having... Which is crazy, by the which way. Which is crazy. Tied with the Thunder, which it also, also sounds crazy. ridiculous. But I think the Rockets are an 11th, so they're fighting for a playing spot. Shengun, 21 years old. He's averaging 21, 9, and 5. And doing it efficiently, I mean, I, I would have liked to see him get some credit, especially since the Rockets were such a dumpster fire last year. Obviously, they added veterans like Van Vliet and Brooks, Coach Ime Udoka. But, you know, I think Shen Goon is the centerpiece of that team and will be for the future. And I, I would have liked to see him in the All-Star game this year instead of Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, first one that came to mind was... Um, um Darian Fox. Could not think of his name, sorry. Darian Fox? Yes. Uh, he's playing like a dog right now. And especially, like, I mean, and Drew and I were talking about this a little bit. No disrespect to Cat or anything, but, like, a guy even like uh, Sabanis, I think. That was on my mind. Could go over a guy like Cat. Uh, but actually, you know, compared to what I've seen in the past, I don't think they're outside of maybe, like, Sabanis, um, I don't think there's any big, big snubs. Like, do you think there's a big snub. I Drew yes. mentioned Trey Young. That was mine. Um, I think that's a big snub. It's kind of like uh, 
back in the day when DeMarcus Cousins would get snubbed uh-huh. because they weren't doing well, and they would just, like, snub it. Sacramento's fifth in the West right now. They're fifth? Yeah. You know what argument I can't stand, though? People are saying Wemby got snubbed. I don't know about that. I don't think he... Wemby shouldn't have been he's in the year conversation. Away. He'll be an all-star next year. Let him lose in San Antonio this year, put up some stats. Also, one thing I want to bring up... I, I talked with this... You know, I talked to Alex about this before the show. It's not a player snub. It's a coaching snub, okay? So... Oh, I, this is crazy. This I, is, I think I know where you're going This is ridiculous. This. Last night, I'm hanging out with my brother. We're watching basketball. I remember I saw a tweet earlier in the day yesterday. It said three things needed to happen in order for Cavs coach J.B. Biggerstaff to be the East All-Star coach. The Cavs needed to win. The Mavs needed to beat the Bucks, And the Lakers needed to beat the Knicks, okay? So the Cavs won. We, we took care of business with the Spurs, which we'll get into later. And, you know, I hadn't really checked NBA scores. So my brother's, you know, he's, you know, reading scores off his phone for me. I'm like, hey, did the Mavs win? He's like, yep, they won. He's like, I'm like, did the Lakers win? He's like, yep, they won. So I'm fired up. I jump up off the couch. I'm like, dude, J.B. Bickerstaff, John Blair Bickerstaff, our boy, (laughs) he's coaching the East, okay? I sit down, and my brother's like, oh, I was wrong. The Bucks won. Mm. completely ruined my night because I was fired up that J.B. Bickerstaff was going to get some national love and coach the East All-Stars. But now, it's going to be Doc Rivers, who's coached three games, who's still riding off, you know, one championship he won 15 years. Has been a choke artist for the last 15 years. He's coached three games, and he's going to be coaching the East All-Stars. And I think, dude, Adam Silver, intervene, man. The world, we don't want to see Doc Rivers. We don't want to see this choke artist. Get my boy, J.B. Bickerstaff, coaching the East All-Stars. That's my biggest snub. It's not even a player. It's a coach. Doc Rivers, I mean, he even recognized the irony in it. He spoke in his press conference and said that he was going to give the money and the ring if they win to to Adrian Griffin because he's never, he's uh, had nothing to do with anything the first 43 games of this season. It's I think it's a mockery that he's coaching. I don't know how I'd feel about that if I'm Adrian Griffin. I, I wouldn't get, even want. I just get. Fi- I, I mean, the money. I, I'd take the money, but I don't know if I. You get fired, and your replacement is giving you his ring out of uh, pity. I don't know if I would rock with that if I'm Adrian Griffin, but I don't like that Doc Rivers is coaching the All Star game. After Nobody three does. Games. I don't like that Doc Rivers is coaching the Bucks. I don't care. Put Joe Mazzola in there again. That's fine. But Doc Rivers again. I know that you know Mazzola coached last year, which is why he's not he's not doing it again this year, but. Silver, come on, man. We don't want to see Doc Rivers after three games coach the East All-Stars. And you're right. He he really is one of the most overrated coaches in NBA history. History? What's he, he done? One, one, one championship, championship. 15 years ago. He's, I mean, actually, let's seriously look at this. He, he started his career with the Magic. They did nothing. Mm-hmm. He went to the Celtics. He won one ring with a roster of Rajon Rondo, Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen, Paul Pierce. At the time, Kendrick Perkins was really good. That, I mean, he had all those players and won one ring one time. Now, that's uh, that could be because of Kobe and the Lakers being that good as well at the time. But one ring with that super talented roster. Then he goes to the Clippers next, right? Yeah. And choked every single year with another fantastic roster. Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, J.J. Redick, all in their primes. Eric Bledsoe was on that roster at the time. Choked every year. Goes to the Sixers gets literally run out of town by a player that's no longer on the roster. And now he's the all-star coach for a team he's coached three games for. Yep. Definitely the most overrated coach ever. 
I don't ever. see. I don't see the vision. I don't know how he keeps getting jobs. I don't. I mean, obviously, he's well respected in NBA circles. Apparently, I don't know what is. You know, I don't think you know he probably does have just like um, oh, Flip Saunders. Remember that mm-hmm. guy? Yep. Super overrated NBA coach, and everybody's like, he's just such a good mind. He's such a good basketball mind. And I feel like that's kind of the argument. You know, there's certain guys. I think it happens in the NFL too. You know, they get fired from one head coaching gig, and like a season or two later. They get another job, and a lot of times I'm left wondering, like, did we not remember what just happened? Yeah. Like, why is this guy getting another job? And Doc Rivers continues to get jobs. You know, if he maybe he'll prove it. Maybe the Bucks will win. They're towards the top of the East, but I I don't have faith in Doc Rivers as a coach anymore. No, I'm absolutely not. Uh, let me pose this question to you, Drew. Yeah. You know, there's people saying that if there was an injury replacement, it should be Jared Allen. If it's a, if we talked about this. Yeah, we did. What are, what are your thoughts? I think that's an obvious choice, especially if you look at the East. Embiid is hurt. Julius Randle's hurt. And I don't think there's many big guys in the East who are really deserving of a spot other than Jared Allen. Jared Allen's been putting up double-doubles left and right. I think he had 16 or 17 in a row before it was snapped the other night. I don't know who else it would be. I mean, he's definitely a top-two option for a replacement, and it seems like there will be two replacements for the East. So now, Jared Allen tweaked his ankle last night against San Antonio, had to come out of the game. So we'll see if we'll see if his health will let him be the replacement. But I totally agree with you. I don't see anybody else that makes the argument to be the replacement for either Randall or Joel Embiid, who both will probably not be playing in this All-Star game. Um, before we got about 10 minutes left, we can jump off of the All-Stars for a little bit. Let's go into one of probably the weirdest things that surfaced this week. Uh, I've never heard this in my whole life before, but LeBron James trade rumors, which randomly surfaced. There were rumors that the Lakers were looking for a suitor. There were rumors that he was potentially getting traded to the Thunder with multiple first-round picks involved. Now, if you look at it, I mean, if that was a real thing, that would probably be the team the Lakers would look to send him to because LeBron would go to a contender. And they get, I mean, they have the most draft capital in the whole league right now. It's not even close. But the, the term LeBron James trade rumors blows my mind. It was shut down, by the way, false by LeBron himself and his agent, Rich Paul. They said they did not request a trade, nor are the Lakers looking to trade him. Uh, what did you guys make of these rumors when they came out earlier in the week? Um, you know, it's actually not surprising to me. I genuinely think that. It saddens me to say. It's so sad. But I really think LeBron should probably finish in, in L.A. Um, or at least where his son goes. If his son makes it to the I heard dude's looking at being undrafted right now. Yeah, I know. I think he needs to spend another year at USC. I mean, yeah. to be fair, bro, like, went through something right, that most right. players won't ever come back and play the game ever again. Right. And he did it all in the same season. But, I mean, outside of that, um, I wouldn't mind a LeBron trade. When I saw the, the rumors, I was a little confused, I will say. I was a little confused. I didn't buy the rumors at all. I think yeah, it, I, didn't. I think it, someone just made it up. You know, LeBron and Rich Paul, that's a whole media empire. I think LeBron has always controlled his press super well, and we've never really had a LeBron scandal or a huge controversy, which is insane to say after he's played for 20-plus years. So I think, you know, he's always in control of what leaks about him. I don't think anyone in his camp would leak that if that was the case. So what I think is that it was just it was just made up. It was just a story. I don't know where it originated, but 
You know, I think LeBron is always behind the press that is out about him for the most part. I totally agree. The dude is never going to allow something to come out about himself that he doesn't want to. PR management goes crazy. And he's a troll sometimes. Yes. He tweeted out the, the hourglass emojis. He likes, you know, he it's LeBron. He likes attention, of course, but he's always behind it. Yeah, yeah the dude knows exactly he's what he's doing. He's got 10 doing. out of 10 millennial humor. Like, for sure. Yeah, very, very interesting to see LeBron James in possible trade rumors. Uh, But it was the end of it. It's towards the end of his career, arguably. I mean, I know he's not playing like it, but it is towards the end of his career for sure. And it wasn't totally unplausible that it could be true, especially with the way the Lakers are right now. And they're, I mean, they got they got to look towards the future at some point. But I totally agree. I don't think that these rumors had anything valid to them. Uh, next topic I definitely wanted to touch on was Steph Curry's 60-point game. Now, this was in a loss to the Hawks. Um, well, let's talk about strictly Steph Curry's performance first. Alex, I'll kick it over to you. Steph Curry, 60 points. Despite the score, what, what, do you, what are your thoughts? My hardest time, uh, or hardest thing that I struggle with when I think about like NBA all-time list is not um, when do I put Steph Curry in top 10 all-time, but where do I put him in top 10 all-time? And when he does things like this at his age, it just makes him go higher and higher on the list. And, you know, speaking of Shaquille O'Neal, if we're going to talk about a guy who's Shaq, which he's in our top 10s, correct? Mm-hmm. Correct? correct, yeah. Yep. Um, well, well, you know, positionally, all he, he's the best rebounder of the ball of all time, best player in the paint of all time. That's why he's on that list. I mean, Steph Curry has solidified he is the greatest shooter of the basketball ever. Where does that rank you? And with his championship. You think so? The greatest shooter of the basketball ever? Do oh, I, I agree with that. I don't. Who's a better shooter than Steph Curry? Kevin Durant. I think Kevin Durant's the greatest shooter of all time. Of really? Yes. No, I'm taking Curry yes. all day. Oh, that's why. Three point? Absolutely, absolutely. Steph Curry, greatest shooter. Period. Is Kevin Durant? I put Paul George over Kevin Durant. That's, if you're about, like, I don't know about that. No, either. no, 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 no. If you're talking about like that silky, you're talking about the if you're just talking about aesthetics. I mean, Paul George is a pretty you know smooth he's player, got but silky mid Yeah, he's a you know he's nice to watch play basketball. It's Kevin Durant. All around greatest. How shooter. close is it though for you? I mean, it's close for sure. Close, right? It's close for career. sure. Yeah, I, mean, I just think, think I, I don't even have K, uh, KD in my top ten all time. No, so. all time. No, I'm just talking. If we're talking purely shooting, I, he's the greatest shooter of all time. Yeah, I don't agree at all. That's okay. We yeah. can we can have I don't really differences. Have a good argument. I just think. I mean, honestly, I've never heard anybody say that before. Um, I like to be different. I like to be edgy and different. Yeah, dude. In terms of seven-foot like shooters, <laughs> Kevin Durant's seven. No one shot the ball at his height like Durant has. I'll give him that. But Curry's a cartoon character in terms of a video game character, maybe. But, no, it's Curry all day. You put – this is all I'm going to say. This is all I'll say. All right, all right. You put Steph Curry and KD in a game of horse, Steph Curry wins every time. I agree, yeah. No. Who's winning? Who's winning her horse every time? Who's winning or pink, whatever you want to call it? <laughs> who's gonna win every time? Kevin Durant. That's crazy. That's Kevin that's Durant. that's an L take, right? Okay. Aside of who's the greatest shooter of all time, Curry is gonna cook in a game of horse every time. 
No. Every time. No. This should be. Around. I think no. This should be around the week. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I'll minute. do it. I'll do it. We'll do it. We'll do it when we get off here. Um. No. No. Drew, what do you think? I think Kevin Durant has more in his arsenal than Curry. Absolutely not. Yes. In, in terms of just shooting. Yes. No. Curry is a one-trick pony. One. No. I don't think you you score sixty points being a one-trick pony. Nah. Nah. Nah, you just you're a Warriors fan or something. I'm not a Warriors. I'm a Curry fan. respecter, unfortunately. I, I will admit, I have learned to respect Curry instead of disliking him. Like when he was playing the Cavs, I really couldn't stand the no, guy. No, Curry was the super villain of my middle school life, dude. Yeah. I used to hate that guy because he'd make me miserable uh-huh. every summer. I'd be I was 12 years old cursing Steph Curry. Elaborate, but Curry's made me cry before. Oh my goodness! Oh, the I, first finals, first the Cavs. Are you kidding me? I was in dude. That was a yearly tradition, getting my heart ripped out by Wardell, Stephen Curry. Yeah, that's. But I respect him. Yeah, no, I, I respect him now, but he's not the greatest shooter of all time, in my humble opinion. Wild, wild. Kevin, Kevin Durant. I don't wild. think Curry gets enough credit for just the longevity. Like, I mean, he's thirty-five. That's true. That's true. He seems a lot younger than LeBron to me for whatever reason. He's 35. He played 41 minutes last night, led the Warriors in minutes. And the Warriors dynasty seems to be, you know, all the stars are aging. Draymond and Clay are not the same as they used to be. But Curry isn't that much different of a player than he was, I don't know, five, six, seven. I mean, he scored 60 last night. Wiggins, two points. Green, seven points. It seems like, you know, the roster, the Warriors dynasty is crumbling, but, but Curry is not. Something that I think is important about shooting the ball, too, is Curry, compared to KD, gets the ball off so fast compared to KD. KD, probably two, maybe three seconds to get the ball out. Curry gets the ball off in a shot less than a second every time. Yeah, it's like, that's a big deal to me. He's got a quick release, like, yeah, bro gets of course. It off. Fast. He needs a fraction of a second of, yeah. of open space, and, so and it's going up. Yeah. Also, about LeBron and longevity and stuff, fun fact, saw this today. LeBron has played with 35% of the, the whole, NBA. Yeah, that's yeah. insane. Since the NBA started in, what, the 50s? Yeah. To now, he's played with 35% of the league. There's also... Wild. He There are seven active head coaches that he has played against in his career. Yes, Seven. And I wonder what that is all time, too. Like, all time coaches he's played against. He played against his well. own head coach. Yeah, because he, he played yeah. against Lou. He played against Lou. He played against Darvinham. He yeah. played against Chauncey Billis from the Trailblazers. He played against Udoka. Uh, there's a few other names Kidd. I forget. Yep, Jason Kidd. Yeah, there's more. I yeah. can't even think I of it. I bet, but. like, overall he's probably played against, like, 15 coaches ever. Over under LeBron's played against fifteen. There's more. I yeah. can't even think of that. I bet that, like overall he's probably played against like fifteen coaches ever. Over under LeBron's played against fifteen. And think about all the ever. assistants over on benches over. around the year. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, and it's, oh my goodness. Yeah, when you think about an assistant coach too, holy crap. Yeah. Wow. I'm sure there's probably many more names that we're missing out on. But it is time to go to our next break. When we come back, we'll jump into some Cleveland Cavaliers talk and finish out the show with everybody's favorite football. When we come back right here for our second hour on Sports Power Talk. Welcome back to the second hour of Sports Power Talk right here on WZIP Akron. I'm your host, Logan Congrove, and joining me is... The person with the most wrong take of the day, Alex Henry. Waka waka. <laughs> and Mr. Drew Bailey. 
We're back. And also in studio is Maya. Maya, welcome back again. Um, just posted around the room up on our Twitter or our X now, excuse me, at WZIP Sports. Uh, for those who don't know what Around the Room is, it's basically we ask you a question and you give us your answer. This speaks Around the Room is who wins in a game of horse, and that is between Steph Curry and Kevin Durant. Head over to our ex at WZIP Sports to weigh in on this. Um, what a waste of an Around the Room. No. Seems like no. there's an obvious answer what to me, place. but I'll, nah. I'll let you guys, you know, share you, your the listener, share your thoughts. Tell us why in the replies too. Don't oh, somebody did, somebody did. It was Logan Congrove a great. He says I'm confused how it would be Durant because I'm also confused. Hundred percent is one hundred percent is, but I'm not arguing with him. He's my buddy. No, took a long time to get to that 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 basis of friendship. With this guy on Twitter. But uh, yeah, head over to our Twitter at WZIP Sports. Uh, Corey, our music programmer, is sitting in the back room. He also just weighed in, had the wrong take as well, said that the better shooter is Steph Curry over Kevin Durant. But everyone in this room had the wrong take, including my, all of you. You all have the wrong take. Okay. Wrong. Okay. We'll see. <laughs> uh, let's jump into a more positive topic, though, that we can probably all agree on most things, and that is the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, I don't really want to talk as much about the scores. Let's kind of get into the headlines for the Cavaliers recently. Uh, the Cavs had a great game against the Pistons. This one was Darius Garland's return. Darius Garland showed out, had a very strong performance there. Uh, Drew, let's kick it over to you first. Uh, what do you expect from the Cavs going forward with Darius Garland and Evan Moby back in the lineup? Yeah, I know. Obviously, it's nice to have the full squad back. It's been a huge surprise how well we've played without two of our stars. I think the bench has been awesome. I think, you know, we have a pretty, if I'm correct, we have one of the easiest remaining schedules left in the league. And I think that really helps as we kind of phase Garland and Mobley back into the lineup to play some weaker opponents. Garland hasn't looked like his... You know, best self coming back, which I think is understandable. He's had, I think he had nine against the Grizzlies and like four or five last night against the Spurs. So he's not up to full speed yet, but I think, you know, continuing to run the offense through Donovan Mitchell and, you know, relying on our depth, um, that's how we're, we're going to, we're going to keep up the hot play. Can I ask you guys a question? Sure. Um, Drew, you a Cavs fan? I am a Cavs fan. Cool, 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 cool. cool. Um, what is your expectation out of a guy like Darius Garland on this team? Like, what honestly? What do you expect out of him a game? Take it, Drew. It's a tough question. Like, I understand it's a tough. Like question. statistically, or no? What's what's his role on the team? I think the way Donovan Mitchell's been playing, Garland needs to to take a backseat, and that's. I don't want to reduce Garland to just being a spot-up shooter because we know how dynamic he is with the ball. He can throw lobs. He can handle it. But Donovan Mitchell's been playing like an MVP candidate. And with Garland coming back, I think we got to keep running the offense through Mitchell. So if if Garland could maybe play as the off-guard, play as the two-guard a little bit, still handle the ball a little bit, but I think this team needs to run through Donovan Mitchell if Garland can can just be there to kind of be a connector and and shoot when we need him to. I think if, if he's okay with that, and I would assume he is, you know, he's a big team player, I think we need to run through Donovan Mitchell. All good? Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, Donovan Mitchell is a clear leader of the team, but Darius Garland is a guy that makes a huge difference when he's off. It's very noticeable. I would say, I, I wouldn't expect him to be a leader. I would expect him to be 
in a sense, a glorified major role player. Like I know that sounds like a lot of terminology, but a major role player, a starter that is a major role player. I think everybody other than Donovan Mitchell is a is a a sub character at this point. It's not like the main. If this was a movie, Donovan Mitchell's a star, and everybody else is just like sub points. What hurts me to say, and like what I've kind of noticed, and I want to know what you guys think about this. Why I asked that question. Uh, obviously, you know Mitchell and Garland are both playing guard. You know, so anytime they're in together, it's all it's already kind of off. Um, and what I and Logan, we've talked about this. Mm-hmm. Would I love to see these guys just click and play well together, both on the court at the same time? Because do we both agree? Do we all agree that it is better to have them both on the court all the time than constantly splitting them out? A hundred percent. Of course, all, all agree that Drew. Thank you. But what I, what I fear that happens more times than not, not uh, maybe 60-40, is I think Garland gets in the way of Donovan Mitchell sometimes when they play together on the floor. And I think that hurts sometimes. Now, this game against the Pistons, I don't think that's necessarily true. Like I said, it's 60-40. Um, but it kind of – it's interesting because we always, as Cavs fans, will complain about – um, how how the splits work in terms of Mitchell and Garland and how they split time and management and it is it is awful, but to an extent, I mean, when these guys are on the floor together, especially versus that Knicks playoffs, I know we bring that up all the time, but I mean, it really does seem that if Garland's having a a bad game, he likes to try to keep having a good game, and that gets in the way of Donovan Mitchell, I think. Um, so that's kind of what I think about when, when um, Garland comes back is what you said, Logan. You know, he needs to get out of the way in, in a sense is what you were saying. Mm-hmm. Um, but not only that, like, he needs to understand when it's not his night. I think it's the big thing. Uh, I think that's a big thing in basketball, in sports. I mean, it's hard not to, you know, be one of the best players in the world, in terms of if you're in the NBA, you're one of the best players in the world. And if you're in the NFL, you're one of the best players in the world. And to start having a bad night and just accept, this is not my night. Mm-hmm. You're, you're one of the best. You want to say, hey, they're paying me millions of dollars. I'm one of the best. And uh, Darius is still young, but I think he really does get in the way of Donovan sometimes. I think it hurts us more than uh, anything. Yeah, I well, totally agree. I just never thought I'd say that. Though. I think as an NBA player... You're in the league. You need to have an almost irrational confidence. That's why you're in the league. 100%. And it's an interesting situation because, you know, you think to two seasons ago, before Mitchell was a Cavalier, that was kind of Garland's breakout year. Right. And he was the guy for the Cavs. I think he was an all-star two years ago. Still a young player in his first contract. To go from being an all-star to be a budding star in the league and then next year, of course you welcome the addition of Donovan Mitchell, and I'm sure you know that was, a, that was great for, for Garland. He was happy about that acquisition. But to go from an all-star, you're the guy on your team next year, to one of the best scorers of this era in Donovan Mitchell, joining your team, that's definitely a transition. I feel like I agree that, that it seems like Garland... You know, hasn't really switched into the role of being second fiddle in the backcourt. Yeah, and that was the other. That's the other reason why I asked that question. I don't know what I expect. I asked you guys because when I say, "Okay, Darius Garland's in the way of Donovan Mitchell," somebody might say, "Well, what do you want him to do that?" And I don't really have an answer. Right. I don't really because you know a good answer would be, well, maybe you split their times. Maybe you don't have them on the same court all the time. But then in my head, I'm like, no, I want them on the court together all the time because that hurts defenses. Mm-hmm. But I, and I think I have good, you know, X and O knowledge of the of the basketball. But I just I do struggle 
trying to pin where I want Garland in 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 that uh, in that duo. I really are. I think it's a very unique duo. We haven't seen a duo like this. Honestly, it's kind of what I thought Luca and Kyrie would be like, and it's not what it's like. Um, it's a very unique duo. I have a hard time trying to figure out where they kind of remind me in terms of the fit of the former Portland backcourt with with Willard and McCollum. Yeah, true. Where they're both ball-dominant guards. Neither is really a shooting guard. I mean, Donovan Mitchell, I think, technically probably fits that mold better, but he's a ball-dominant guard. Right. He's a scoring point guard is how I'd probably probably classify him. He's not super tall. I think he's maybe 6'2", 6'3". So it kind of reminds me of of the Lillard-McCollum. You know, Mitchell is the Lillard in this situation where he's, he's the dominant guy, but then McCollum and Garland are both... You know, they, they work best with the ball in their hands, and you don't want to reduce what they do on the offensive end. But but somebody's got to be the guy, and I think, you know, it's an awkward fit at times. I agree with you, Alex. I don't know what we do with Darius Garland because he's great with the ball in his hands. You know, he can throw lobs. He's dynamic as a ball handler, so you don't want to just stick him in the corner. But obviously, you know, the saying there's only one ball, I think, you know, I'd rather have it in Donovan Mitchell's hands in the crucial moments. And if Garland needs to be reduced to... A guy who's just a spot up shooter at some crucial moments, maybe maybe that's the solution. Yeah, yeah, I like it. Well, let me let me pose this question to you. There's also been people, to your point, that have said the Cavs should look to trade Darius Garland. Is that something that you would consider? Yeah, a hundred percent. And that's why I have a hard time with this conversation, Logan, because I don't want to trade. At heart, I love Darius Garland. As a Cavs fan, I love him and I want him to be a Cavs player. But realistically, I'm going to be open to every trade offer that comes for Darius Garland because I'm more of a fan of winning than a fan of trying to figure it out. And we, all three of us are Cavs fans. We're all sports analysts, and we're all having a hard time trying to figure out what we want to do with Darius Garland on this team. So... In that sense, you have to be kind of open to a trade. Yeah, I think it would be a mistake to not at least, you know, listen to offers for Darius Garland. I think, you know, maybe we trade Darius Garland. I feel like it's a move that if it works, obviously it's awesome. You know, the Cavs took a swing. But if it's something that fails, it could be something that, you know, haunts us for years. Like, we shouldn't have broken up our young core. So I think it would be stupid not to listen to offers, but... It's kind of a, a boomer bust thing where, you know, that's a big risk trading a young star in Darius Garland. And it could work or it could backfire and we could, you know, kind of break up this nice core we have in Cleveland. So what's your asking price? What are you looking for for Darius Garland? Players, not picks, number one. Because I want to win now. I don't want to win later. And that's why you trade Garland. You only The only reason you trade Garland is not to build for the future. It's to build for right now. It's the same reason that people do trade for guys like James Harden now. Mm-hmm. They do they trade for the big names. We want a bigger name. Uh, so definitely players, not picks. And notice players. Players. So a couple players, um, no picks. That price, I don't know. Who do you think the Cavs need right now? Because I'm thinking of like Garland, you know, potential somebody trades. Who, somebody who plays the role better. It just... I mean, I'm, and I'm not saying I even want the trade necessarily. Like I said, I'm open to it. But somebody who just knows how to to be a good number. So are you looking for a, a pure shooting guard next to Donovan Mitchell, or do you want yeah, a point I guard? Would, do you want no, no PG? I would like um, Donovan to just keep that that uh, that point guard position and then have a more uh, a sh- um, maybe even a bigger shooting guard too. Um, 
You know, because Donovan's already so small. And that's the other thing they struggle with. They're both so short. They're a short little little duo. Um, so I'd like a little more uh, meat on the bones of uh, one of these guys we could bring in for a trade. Yeah, I definitely agree. Uh, when you mentioned what the Cavs need, uh, there's been rumors going around they'd be interested in Royce O'Neal. Bogdan Bogdanovich has been linked. Uh, lots of trade rumors with the Hawks specifically have been linked to the Cavs. Another guy that would be another one that's potential in that same situation is I don't think that Jerry, Jared Allen and Evan Mobley mesh very well either. I think, but if I'm the Cavs, I'm going to rock with my young my young guy over Jared Allen. And I would probably, if they came down to it, I would look for the right offer for Jared Allen. What about that situation? You guys, I, same thoughts? I agree. Defensively, is Jared Allen and Evan Mobley pretty good together? Yeah. Like, overall, they're pretty good. Like, when they're both on defense together, it's it's pretty hard to ever score in the paint. Every team struggles. Offensively, though, they're kind of a little weaker, both of them. Uh, and Jared, like you said, is a little older, so I feel like he's having a harder time putting on that muscle. Evan Mobley, I mean, he's getting stronger and stronger every season. So I kind of, you know, I need a bigger guy in the paint. Because, what again, the Knicks series last year, what happened in the playoffs in terms of us in the paint? We were weak. We were like the weakest team ever in the yes. paint. And these guys are both seven foot tall. What's going on? So, yeah, that's kind of my my thoughts on that. I would be open to a trade uh, with Jared as well. I'm kind of... I fear I'm not open to the Donovan Mitchell trade. And no. I'm also not open to the facts that he wants to leave. But I think he will want to leave if we don't start kind of helping him out. Because his his uh, his value really just increases by the game. So uh, whatever we need to do to keep him, uh, I'm, I'm kind of always going to be open to do. Yeah, again, I think it'd be a mistake to at least not listen to offers, whether that be for Mobley or Allen. But of these four guys, Garland, Mitchell, Mobley, and Allen, I, I think Garland is the one I'm, I'd am i most be okay with trading. I think you stick with that front court. Mobley, you know, he said he's trying to shoot more threes. The offense looked fine last night. Mobley had 28 and 10. Allen had 26 and 16. They were giving Wembenyama fits all night. They were nice. I think you rock with that duo, Tower City. If Mobley can, you know, Allen's improved his mid-range game this year. If Mobley can keep stepping out, hitting jumpers. If Mobley could be a stretch four, I think that would solve a lot of problems for our offense. Yeah. Remember when we should have traded Karis LeVert? Do you remember the slogan? Yes. I was going to ask you guys, uh, who do you, if the Cavs were to make any trades, who do you think the most expendable player on the roster right now is? Well, not Karis anymore, but dude. Really? Last, I would still argue when that he was putting traded. up those 40-point games, but he barely played, his value was so high. We could have got some dogs for Karis LeVert at the time. Now I feel like, I mean, he's still definitely expandable, but uh, we probably won't get what we could have gotten from it. For sure. I think there's only two options, you know, viably, like two viable options for who the Cavs should trade. I think one of them is Levert, and I think the other one's Isaac Okoro. I think the Cavs, you know, we, in terms of bench depth, I feel like it's kind of positionless. We just have a bunch of wings. It's never been deep. We have Wade, Niang, Merrill now. We just have a bunch of guys on the wing, and Okoro. He's known for his defense. We're still kind of waiting for his three-point shot. It's improved this year, but I would not really classify him as a true 3 and D guy. So I think if we could flip him for someone who's more of a shooter, more of a reliable shooter, we talked about Bogdanovich in Atlanta. I think when you get into the playoffs, you need guys who can shoot and make big shots, obviously, and 
Okoro's defense, we would miss that, but Wade is an excellent defender. I don't think we have any shortage of wing defense. I think if we could flip Okoro for a more reliable shooter, that'd be a good move. Yeah. Uh, to your point, Alex, uh, friend of the show, friend of WZIP Sports, Chris Fedor, he tweeted mm-hmm. that uh, Cavs, Donovan Mitchell admitted that he's heard the chatter about being better without their Isgaro and the questions about their fit. He isn't buying it. The quote was, it's the easiest thing to point to, but I've never had a doubt about us playing together, not at all. You know, I don't have a doubt about them playing together. I think when they play good together, they, you know, it's better to have them play good together than not at all. I agree with that. It's just, I don't think they play good together more times than they play bad together. Um, so that's the only thing. I want them yeah. to be playing good together all the Honestly, honestly... Outside of Ohio Cavs fans, and maybe just like people who really pay attention to the East, who really looks to the Cavs and go, man, that duo of Garland and, and Mitchell is just dynamic? Who who really thinks that? You don't see it ESPN post about the duo. You don't see SportsCenter post about the duo. Nobody really even talks about them as a, as a big duo. Even when they have games where they both are like plus 25, they don't really get talked about as a duo. So, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Right? Yeah, I think personally, I still have a bad taste in my mouth from last year's playoffs. Like I said, the Knicks manhandled the Cavs. And I think if we have a similar result this year, there's going to need to be some some personnel changes. Last year, it didn't work. If we you know, are bounced again in the first round, we need are to you, shake something up. Are you worried about Bickerstaff in that case? It, it could be. As simple as J.B. Bickerstaff being the issue. It could really be that simple. I don't know if I think he's the issue. I think, you know, it's a good problem to have. We have, we're a deep team. We have so many guys, and I think for a while, Bickerstaff needed to figure out his rotations. And it unfortunately, it made it easier with Garland and Mobley out. I was say, I think Bickerstaff is better when he has less. He I think oh, when yeah. he has more he talent, is. he can't handle it. He can't handle it. The rotations... But that's also the thing. Like, before where I used to really dislike him for constantly splitting up Mitchell and Garland, now I almost have a little bit more understanding and maybe empathy, uh, for lack of better words, for, for that, that call. I kind of do. Um, the you- only thing is, like, defenses really are able to pick that up pretty easy. Like, once they are split, defenses can, like, okay, well, we just have Mitchell? Cool. That's that's true. Kind of the, that's kind of always been the argument for the past couple years now, but I do see. I mean, I kind of see his point a little more too. And when you get like those last two minutes of the quarter, when you get to like bench Mitchell and really let him rest up for like the next five six minutes, I mean, it helps him a lot. I think helps anybody. Helps anybody. Alex, I have a question. Okay. Talking about rotations, bigger staff. Would you bring Darius Garland off the bench? Would you consider that? Hundred percent. Hundred twenty percent. I would. The only thing is, I don't know who. Yeah, so we're, what we're putting in a Coro, Lavert maybe. Lavert a Coro and a Coro. Uh, um, you know what? You know what I think needs to happen. A hundred percent. And I was the biggest advocate at the beginning of the year. I'm done with Max Strus. I'm done watching Max Strus play for the Cavs. Same. I, I think he's the most six expendable points. player on the Cavs roster. Thirty right now. minutes, six points. He. I mean, he is the most inconsistent player on I the roster. I think I'd rather far. see Dean Wade. Yeah, get, I, get I more minutes. Max Strus needs to be sat down. Yeah. His minutes need to be given to Sam Merrill, in my opinion. 
Um, Logan, you're to bounce off what Drew's asking me. You know, you're a big Heat fan. Don't you see a, a, a way where Garland could almost fit into like a Tyler Hero role? For sure. Like for the Cavs, like can't you kind of? Is not saying that we want it, but isn't that kind of easy to kind of picture and say, oh yeah, that makes like that kind of makes some sense. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Yeah. It's just again, it's it hurts because we've seen how dynamic Garland can be with the ball. Hero is not the ball handler that Darius Garland is. No, no, at all. And Garland's probably not the spot up shooter that Hero is. But I, I really think the Cavs would benefit if Garland could settle into that that second fiddle role in the backcourt. And I hate to reduce him to a spot up shooter again because we know what he can do with the ball, but. You know, if we want to win, you know, tough decisions have to be made. And I think this decision lies on the shoulders of J.B. Bickerstaff. But, you know, I like that comparison. I think Garland yeah. could, could play in a hero Dude, like that. and Garland off the pick and roll with Jared and Allen. I mean, sure, everybody likes to talk about Mitchell off the pick and roll because that's what happens all the time. But before there was Mitchell, there was Garland on that pick and roll. And Garland is clean off that pick and roll outside of, like, just being a spot-up shooter. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's kind of what would happen. Yeah, I agree. Not wrong. Um, let's talk about before we head to break. Uh, let's talk about the Donovan Mitchell ejection, which happened in the San Antonio game. Correct. That was last night. That was yeah, correct. Yep. Yeah. yep. Uh, Chris Fedor again reporting after the game. Donovan Mitchell's quote says that was a dirty, explicitive play. Donovan Mitchell sounds off on altercation between Mitchell and Zach Collins late in the fourth quarter, leading to both players being ejected. Uh, I'll throw it to you guys. What what did you see with this altercation? Everybody that is really listens to the show a lot knows I'm I'm a big conservative guy in the aspect of, you know, these players need to just keep professional. You know, you you are paid so much money to be picking fights. I mean seriously, and, and some people, pretty much everybody up here has kind of disagreed with that. I talk about that a lot in baseball, um, more so than basketball. This is one time where. I mean, it was so granted for for Mitchell to retaliate the way he did. Because when you're really, I mean, part of being professional uh, in terms of the game is not doing dirty things like what happened. And just, like, such an, like, intentional elbow. Um, Yeah, I mean, like, you got to retaliate in some sense. So um, I'm very happy that he did, for sure. Yeah, it was the last minute of the game, and... Honestly, that's something I just noticed. I'm not sure why Donovan Mitchell was in the game with less than a minute left, but, you know, the Spurs are basically, the game's over. We're up 17. A clear cheap shot from Zach Collins, who has a history in this league of throwing some cheap shots. I have no problem with Donovan Mitchell getting in his face. Donovan Mitchell actually, on, on X, he replied to the video of the altercation and said, I ain't really like how I backed up, crying laughing face. So, you know, he went after Zach Collins and then his teammates kind of, you know, separated it. You know, no punches were really thrown, but, you know, I respect Mitchell. You know, he kind of got into a similar situation with Dylan Brooks last year, another guy in the league who has a history of doing stuff like this. So, I like it that, you know, Mitchell's not afraid to, to tangle a little bit when someone throws a cheap shot. Yeah, it was a crazy altercation, uh, but you're right. Has, dude has a history. Donovan Mitchell, I think, is an underrated dog in this league. I think he, he I mean, that dude stands on business every time it confronts him. I think it's it's a very good it's a good look that the Cavs I'm not a good look that he got an ejection, but it's a good look that we have guys that are, aren't gonna back down from I mean that shows 
that shows a sense of I don't want to say leadership because it's not a leadership getting into a fight. But you you see what I'm getting at, right? Never back down. Never what? <laughs> never give <laughs> up. <laughs> uh, uh, before we head into our break, um, what what do you think, if anything, the Cavs need to do at the deadline to stay where they are or improve? At this point in the season. The only thing I would really want is adding bench depth. I don't want us to try to mix anything up too crazy. Yeah. I think if we could add a backup big, that would be a really smart move. It's kind of maybe, and hasn't really been talked about, Tristan Thompson got suspended. Not that he was doing a lot, but he was still providing solid minutes off the bench. We don't, I mean, Damian Jones is our backup big guy right now, and he doesn't really move me. So if we could could kind of, you know, shore up that that front court depth, I think that would be a smart move. Yeah. I think bench depth, definitely at the top of the list, if anything. But I'm not shaking up anybody major. Even just, if we're talking purely team chemistry, I think this team is where it needs to be. I'm not doing anything anything crazy. I'd like to see, you know, Bogdanovich maybe come in. It'd be good to get like a Royce O'Neal. But I th- it just is a matter of at what cost at that point. Because I'm not really giving up anybody. I'm, I'm off the let's trade Okoro train. I'm way past that. I don't think we should train, trade Isaac Okoro at all. I think I'd rather trade Karis LeVert than Isaac Okoro at this point. Okoro showed out while Darius Garland was out. He proved that he's a valuable asset to this team. So I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't do much, honestly. There's not many players on this roster that I would consider expendable right now. Oh. But when we come back from break, we'll close out our show with some football. So far, we've talked a lot of basketball. It'll be good to get a little change to finish our show. And Hot Mike, if you haven't gotten your questions in, head over to our ex at WZIP Sports. Get your questions in under the Hot Mike tweet in the next three minutes during our break. When we come back for the final segment of Sports Power Talk here on WZIP. Welcome back to the final segment of today's Sports Power Talk right here on WZIP. Once again, I am your host, Logan Conger. Joining me is Flat Earth Specialist, Mr. Alex Henry. Zimpity doodah. My grandma always wanted me to say that on the radio. Well, I hope you made her proud. Yeah. Nice job. And Drew Bailey. Bling. All right, it's the it's the show of random noises today, guys. And also Maya. Maya continued to be in the studio and will be on in two weeks, so tune in for that. Uh, when we talk what we're going to talk about next is some football but before we get to football it is time for everybody's favorite segment here at wzip sports it's time for hot mic for those who don't know what hot mic is it's where you the listener gets your chance to be a part of our show in a very small way but a big way in our eyes uh at at our x page at wzip sports make sure you follow it if you aren't already um we got a couple good questions coming in starting off with first one comes in from our former sports director jake murr and he says alex Thoughts on The Rock taking Cody's chance to finish his story at WrestleMania? Uh, you know, I am like the most unpopular opinion in the world right now, and I'm so glad that you guys aren't wrestling fans so you don't, like, destroy me. But The Rock's one of the greatest of all time. When The Rock comes back, you gotta let him come back. Cody's story can wait. Wow, I've heard many people say the opposite of that. Yeah, the most disliked tweet in history of wrestling which mind you if you don't know wrestling's huge on twitter Mm -hmm. it's huge like literally even on monday night raw they say like number one trending on twitter right now ww like it's big uh most disliked post in history of their twitter was the rock coming back 
Wow. Yeah, almost 600,000 dislikes. On Twitter? Yep. I didn't even know you could you dislike, can dislike on, Twitter. on Twitter. That's news to me. Or Yeah, it's like a dislike. It's like dislikes. Yeah, something like that. Interesting. Crazy, huh? Wow. Or it could have been Instagram. But no, I'm pretty sure it was Twitter. Something like that. People did not like it. And <laughs> well, I yes. liked it a lot. They're an unpopular opinion on that one. I know. I'm so happy nobody's here to like <laughs> fight me. Uh, if LB was here, that would have been an argument. I'm sure. Oh, uh, he's he's a big Rose fan, as am I. Um, and I and I will say I understand why everybody's upset about it, and they're not even wrong to be upset about it. I'm just not upset about it. Good take. That's all. I mean, I wouldn't know the difference, but good That's take. All. Next question comes in from Casey Rush. He says, for the Super Bowl halftime show, will you guys be watching Usher on CBS or Sweet Victory on Nickelodeon? Or yes and yes. Well, I'm pretty sure, and not to fact check you here, Casey, but I'm pretty sure Sweet Victory is at the beginning of the Super Bowl. So I think we can watch both. Yeah, I thought. And if I had to have I, the choice, I think that's correct. Victory, 100%. Oh, I'm taking, I don't care about Usher. With all yeah. due respect, Mr. Squarepants, I'm watching him over you know, Usher. I I watch it too, but I'm I they drop they already like dropped the ball to make this incredible like three years ago when Travis Scott was the halftime performer True. and they hyped it up like it was going to be something insane and it was like two seconds of the song and that was it. I remember that. So I don't know. I'm it, not moved by the halftime show. I'm not. No, I don't no. care. I I think this year's halftime show is going to be one of the most boring. Of what if they time. brought Taylor Swift out, dude? What if they brought her out? <sighs> I, I the platform is going to rise off. off. They're going to pan to the box. They're going to be like, where's Taylor at? Where she's not in the box. The smoke is going to rise, and she's at midfield. Think about it. <laughs> Cinema. That would be insane. I don't think they'll do that. <laughs> That's the song she sings. <laughs> that would be officially Disney Channel territory. <laughs> if she was performing for halftime. There's uh, there's rumors Usher's bringing out Justin Bieber. That's fine. Oh, I'd be hype. That would move. You're on. a bit Yo. You went to a Justin Bieber concert, didn't you? I love Justin Bieber. Proudly admit that I love the Biebs. What was the concert like? Did you have fun? Uh, one of my favorite concerts of all time. Really? Yeah. Seats weren't great, but it was free for me as well. Um, and it was his newer stuff. He didn't sing all. Actually, so um, what's his face? Um, Will Smith's son. What's his name? Jaden. Jaden. Jaden opened. That's kind of hard. And they didn't sing their song together. So I was like, when I knew Jaden was opening, I was like, okay, let's go. They're going to come out and kill it together. And then they never did. And that was the one thing I was upset about. But yeah, I like Justin Bieber. I could see it. Would be cool. Uh, Pat Weber said this one. Drew, are you a soccer fan at all? No, no. All right, I'll take this one then. Kylian Mbappe is leaving PSG for a move to Real Madrid. Thoughts on the move? Uh, I've heard nothing but terrible things about Paris Saint-Germain. Um, I, I totally just pronounced that wrong. PSG. I'll just call him PSG because I get it wrong every time. Uh, I've heard terrible things about the club. Uh, they wasted three years of Lionel Messi. They wasted Kylian Mbappe. Uh, time to go somewhere else. I, I like the move. Uh, Real Madrid deserves another star after the departure of Ronaldo close to 10 years ago now. Wow. But yes, that's my take on that. I think it's a good move for him and for the club. And people will start to see that PSG is not that great of a club. Um Pat Weber also asks, are the Akron Zips the best college basketball team in Ohio? That's so tough. Really? You think you think they're better than Ohio State? That's my own <laughs> yeah. Yes. Okay. Ohio State is horrible this year. Dayton is ranked. Dayton's 21st. It just, it's, you uh, that's, gonna, that, that gives me trouble. I, I like... No, Dayton's... Dayton's Dayron Holmes? I always just think level player. of comp. That's all. Level of comp. 
At the end of the day, the whole first season... Ohio played. State's losing games by 30-40, though. I understand. Like, bad. I, understand. I think they probably are. To answer I question. think they're better I than Ohio State. State. I, just, I, I just posed a question. Mental. I would say... I just posed a question. It's between them and Dayton, yeah. in my opinion. I don't know a ton about Dayton's resume. I know their ranks. I know they got Daveron Holmes in the front court. Yeah. And they're in a, that's probably a comparable A-10. conference in the A-10. Yep. They're 16-3. and three. The guys who are voting on the AP poll know what they're talking about. For sure. So I would I would say probably Dayton and then Akron is, is right there. Yeah, I like that. Same same rankings for me. Um, Pat Weber also says, thoughts on Gonzaga fans throwing trash on the floor following a no call against St. Mary's. I love it. I think it's funny. I think it's kind of cool. I think it's funny. I think it's funny. I mean, obviously you have to kind of frown at it because it's not exactly, you know, a good look, but... I don't care. Whatever. I was watching the game. Trashy people. I've never thought of Gonzaga as a trashy school. I feel like they've been pretty mild, but they've also had they haven't won any titles to my knowledge. But they've been ranked for many years up until this year. They're not ranked anymore. Maybe they they're letting out their trashy side that they were kind of keeping in for the last decade. The worst Gonzaga team in my lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. Drew Timmy finally graduated <laughs> after he, nine years. One of my least favorite players of all time, Drew Timmy. Fair? Yeah. Valid. Not a fan. Um, next question comes in from Isabel Corey. She says, any songs you're hoping to hear at the Super Bowl halftime show? Um. Yeah. I'm looking to hear Yeah by Usher. I love it. DJ's got us falling in love again. It's got to be Yeah. That would make me hungry. It's got to be Yeah. yeah. Well, no, of course, but yeah, as a given. Like, okay, he's going to do yeah, of you course. Think? What are some other songs that I want to hear? DJ got us falling in love. Again. That's a good one. Dude, I'm like, I like blank out on what songs are. Usher like meshes in with. I forgot Usher existed. No, no, I didn't forget he existed, but he just. Usher's like, a part owner of the Cleveland Cavaliers. True. Who's Miles Garrett? True. Uh, what about like. Uh, Love in this club? Love in this club's a banger. Forgot about that one. What about How did we uh, land on Usher for the halftime show? I actually really like Usher. That's I'm fine. the R&B yeah. guy. Yes, you guys. It's just an interesting pick. So I, I, I like. Oh, uh, well, guys, he's dropping a new album two days before the Super Bowl, which worries me a little bit. Yeah, there's something about going to like your favorite artist for like a concert right after they drop a new album, and then they want to play all their new songs, and it's like, like uh, the cl- well, that was the Justin Bieber tour. Was all of his new songs pretty much. I think Usher will play good. the hits. He knows. I mean, he knows all the yeah. the spotlights on him. He's not going to play anything people don't know, I don't think. True. 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 Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's what I'd say. Yeah. Is my favorite Usher song. Uh, next question. Next two questions come in from Zach Stratton. First one says, the Cavs are the hottest, one of the hottest teams in the NBA right now. Having lost only one of their last 14 games, are they legit title contenders or are they missing pieces still? Legit title contenders. Like to make it to the championship? Why not? That's all. Well, I think they're. They legit. are missing pieces. I mean, for sure. But I don't think because they are missing pieces, they're not a legit title contender. Yeah, we're third in the East. Yeah. I'm not scared of Boston. I'm not no. scared of Doc Rivers in Milwaukee. Yeah. I want another shot at the Knicks, but I'm not scared of them. The West is pretty wide open. I think Minnesota and OKC are there. You think Minnesota and OKC stay there? No. Maybe they Maybe do. OKC. Maybe OKC they stay up stay. there, but. I don't think they're going to be in it in the playoffs towards towards nah, the end. I think they're both too young. I could see. I don't know who's the eighth seed in the West right now. I could see Minnesota maybe getting bounced first round by 
a more experienced team. Possibly, yeah. The Lakers are the nine seed right now. Lakers-Wolves would be an interesting matchup. The Lakers taking on a young team in the first round. I like that, yeah. Uh, I would say legit title contenders as well, just for all the same reasons you guys stated. Uh, and then, what are your thoughts on the Guardians home opener happening the same day as the total solar eclipse? I actually didn't know that. Whoa! That is so rad. I could care less. I didn't. <laughs> yeah, I don't really know if it matters other than it's cool. Like, that's all. is it going to affect the game? What? I'm not an eclipsologist, so I don't know if it's, is that going to affect the game? It'll make it dark. Cool. Why not? Let's. We need some excitement in Cleveland. I need to get tickets right now. I cannot miss this once in a lifetime experience. <laughs> uh, if you couldn't tell already, Alex Plain Henry question. is not a baseball fan. No, I. I mean, I love baseball. I think that's going to be the- nothing but some bats and balls. I just and not off. spending money in Cleveland. Uh, so, oh boy, <laughs> I could really care less. Genuinely. I think it's cool. Why not? So, like, isn't a bunch of home openers going to be happening on the total solar No, because no. No, no, no. The eclipse only goes apart. Like, you need to look at the map. Scientist Drew Bailey. Yeah. I've seen a map, okay? It only affects, like, a certain part of the U.S. It's like a a diagonal. And Cleveland is one of the cities that's getting hit. So, no, it is unique that progressive field. No, it's cool. (laughs) Also, I feel like we have an eclipse like this, like, every year where it's like, we haven't had this in... 38 millennia. Dude, so I've I just seen had like one three last year. in my life. Yeah, yeah. So it doesn't really move me, but I guess it'll be cool. Yeah. Go Guards. Go Guardians! Go G-Men. Can we start that this year, calling them the G-Men, please? Sure. What did Jake not like that people called them? The Gardos. Oh, Gardos! <laughs> they're, Gardo. they're the G-Men, I decided. So if you guys could help me kind of get that. Sure. Yeah, we'll get, we'll, get we'll get it going. The G-Men! Whatever you need, Drew, I'll call Thank them. you, Alex. They're my favorite baseball team. We'll get it jumping. Yeah. Real yeah. uh, last question comes in from El Congrove, a great formerly Jake Murray and a goat on Twitter. And he says, should the Cavs trade Darius Garland? Now, we kind of already answered this, but I think this is the first hot mic question I've ever seen somebody reply to. There's a reply under what? this tweet that says, what would you get? He's uh, Dr. Venkum. Two PhDs, two. not actual doctor. He's he got says. two PhDs. Not actually Pete Venka. What would you get for him? The league GM knows he's a low usage, high turnover, horrid defender, undersized, and injury prone. What are you getting? Uh, well, I mean, anybody else want to take this before I just rip into Dr. Venkman? I'll say something for Dr. Venkman. You can kind of build up your fury for the doc. Dr. Venkman, two PhDs, apparently not either of them is in ball knowledge because I don't like this take. I mean, I think you could get a good haul for him. He was an all-star two years ago. He's undersized as a guard. I agree he's a below-average defender. He's dynamic. You're completely ignoring his offensive impact. I think you could get a good haul, a couple players for him. Again, I don't know specifics because I don't even think that's worth considering because I don't think we're going to trade him. But I think you could get a solid haul for a young point guard like Darius Garland. Two PhDs. What are you going to get for him? I have two PhDs. Listen, guy, how about you never <laughs> tweet again the rest of your life, ever, at least about sports? I mean, are you serious? He's low usage? He's low u- Did you know that Darius Garland is low usage, high turnover, horrid defender, undersized, injury prone? <laughs> waka waka. Hey, guy, we, we, could get, uh, we could get some pretty good guys for uh, DG, all right? This is ridiculous, Pete. Not, that's not actually Pete. It's just Dr. Venkman. 
I'm calling We're revoking your license, whatever kind of doctor you are. You're no longer a doctor. We're submitting an appeal to the board. He saved New York City twice, apparently. I am just doctor. He'll just be Vankman after today. Take his doctorate, his license. Here's one of his tweets. Hey, Cavs fans, you have Darius Garland uh, versus Detroit and Evan Mobley problem. The team's much better without him. They are fine players. He really wants to get rid of Garland. Do you think he's a troll? Like, seriously? He's definitely a baseman. He just hates Garland. I mean, he had his weed. Definitely trying to get an autograph from Darius Garland at some point. Also, no. Actually, I want to shout out Vankman real quick because I love guys like this who just tweet for the love of the game. He's getting no likes on any of these tweets, just shouting his awful takes into the void. So I guess I'll commend (laughs) him for that. He loves the game. He loves X.com. Loves politics, I'm seeing. Big political guy here. Doesn't know ball, uh, but Vank he thinks he does, and I guess that counts for something. So shout out, shout out, Doctor uh, Vank. Yeah, between the GOP <laughs> and uh, the Darius Garland issue, this guy's got a lot on his mind. I see. Poor guy. What a ding dong. Next, <laughs> that is going to conclude <laughs> our hot mic segment. Um, let's let's jump into some NFL talk. Uh, last weekend, we had the AFC and NFC Championship games. The Chiefs. Beat the Ravens 17-10, to and the 49ers beat the Lions 34-31. to These are both results that I did not want, except Alex. Alex wanted the Chiefs for some odd reason. What's the odd reason? Number one, I I do not like the Ravens because they're a division rival. I didn't like either of them, but you... They're a division rival. You really... I never, I, I'm actually a real Browns fan, so I'll never cheer for a division rival ever. That's just kind of, I think, like, is a given. That's fair. Uh, and number two, I, I do like the Chiefs. I've always liked the Chiefs. I'm not saying I'm a Chiefs fan. Love, uh, you know, like, uh, never mind. But I'm not, like, trying to be a fake fan or anything. Uh, but I've always liked Patrick Mahomes, and I've always liked Travis Kelsey. I like the Chiefs. I think they're cool. So I did cheer for the Chiefs. I do not think the Chiefs are cool. I don't think they're cool. I'm, I mean, this t- is, I'm tired of seeing them in the Super Bowl. It's so funny because this is just how it is. I always liked Tom Brady and the Patriots. People despise greatness. Uh, there's nothing more that I love than an Alabama and a Patriots and a now Chiefs and teams and a Warriors. I love teams that are great every single year. I love that. I I I wish for that. I hope for that to happen for any of my teams ever. But it hasn't. But I love that. So I love dominance. I'm a big fan of dominance. And that's what the Chiefs do. So Yeah. Well they did they defeated the Ravens seventeen to ten. Lamar Jackson did not look great in this game, so I wanted to pose the question to you guys. Why can't Lamar Jackson win the big games? Everybody says he's MVP. Everybody says he's this great player, which, I mean, he's a good football player. Don't get me wrong, but why can't he win the games that matter? I don't know. You know, my worst take I've ever had in sports was that I said Lamar Jackson will be the biggest bust in NFL history. Um, Now then, after that, I ended up saying Trevor Lawrence will be the biggest bust. Uh, but I was very wrong. I mean, I was really critical of Lamar. I think he's really good. Uh, I just, he, you're right, Logan. He can't win big. Uh, I even think he's pretty good under pressure, too, for the most part. Um, but, I don't know. He struggles. De- defenses figure, figure him out. You know, you keep a, you keep a spy on him. Um, you know, let him run when he wants. Force him to throw the ball and have good man coverage on it. I mean, I'm not saying it's, like, the easiest thing to do, but... That's what teams do to beat them. 
yeah, I don't know if there's a quick fix or if there's anything I can kind of prescribe to Lamar Jackson other than maybe not running into Patrick Mahomes. But the AFC is just such a bloodbath in terms of quarterbacks. Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, obviously. Joe Burrow was hurt this year. He actually beat um, Mahomes and the Chiefs a couple years ago, which I still think is an underrated comeback. I don't know what Lamar can do here. I think, you know, Alex mentioned Brady for years. He was obviously the guy that people just can't beat. He just finds a way to get it done. And that's kind of what Mahomes is like now in the AFC. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I'm, I'm sick of seeing Patrick Mahomes. But Alex loves him. Alex thinks well, then, And I also think there's something about this. When you're so dominant, it's that much better when somebody beats that team because it proves that team that beat that team is really, really good. So, you know, for your guys' sake, you should even like a dominant team every now and then, too, because when that upset happens, it, it goes crazy. Fair, fair. On the other side, in the NFC, the 49ers defeated the Lions 34-31. to This game really disappointed me. Mm-hmm. Really disappointed me. The Lions had this game in the first half. They had them so handedly, and Dan Campbell absolutely choked this away with his coaching decisions. Yeah, they, I mean, bad coaching decisions, young team. It happens. Yeah, I think this was a predictable result, unfortunately. Before the playoffs even started, I remember I was talking with my brother about, you know, playoff predictions. I said... I think Dan Campbell's going to do something that just shoots the Lions, you know, in the foot, and he's going to sabotage them. And they had a 17-point lead. And for a little bit, it felt like they were going to pull away. And then as soon as the second half started, you just knew it was the writing was on the wall. The Niners came back. Bad decision-making from Campbell, a young team. So disappointing, but not surprising. So does this prove that Brock Purdy is or is not a system quarterback for the 49ers? Okay, so I think he, and I'll keep this short because I know we're short on time. I think he is a system quarterback, but I don't care. I think that's great. What's I? My question is, what's wrong with being a system quarterback? You know, we live in a league today for the past five, six years where every quarterback has to be, you know, the quarterback has to be the best, best player on the team, and he has to be a top-ten quarterback in the league to win. And to be a top-ten quarterback, you have to be different. Um, I mean, dude dude wins games and does what he needs to do. I mean, not only that, he has one of the biggest backs in league history. So why does he have to worry about being flashy? Just be a system quarterback, and I have no issue with that. Yeah, the goal is to win Super Bowl yeah. rings, not mm-hmm. to have an amazing quarterback. Sure. So I, I think it's fine that Brock Purdy's a system quarterback. We talked about Justin Herbert yeah. before the show, who's a great quarterback, but... The system doesn't work. I think the Niners have one of the best systems in the league. It worked with Garoppolo to a certain extent, and now it's working with Purdy. So I don't think it's a problem that he's a system quarterback because the system works, and the goal of the game is to win Super Bowl rings. Yeah, absolutely. I I agree with your take. I've never heard somebody take it that way. Who cares if he's a system quarterback? Seriously, who cares? I don't. What's like... What's hey, the point? Hey, Browns fans out there listening, turn up the radio. Who did you guys love so much? Oh, my goodness, Joe Flacco. He's awesome. You know what Joe Flacco was? System quarterback. System quarterback. That's all he was. That's all the Browns needed was a system True. quarterback. Now, he struggled, of course, in uh, postseason. He was just a system quarterback. That's all he was. I mean, and you, yeah. need, you need a good system. And everybody loved him. So, you know, that's, I mean, system quarterbacks work. They do. Yeah. They do work. Uh, another thing that might be working is the NFL script, guys. I, I really want to touch on this. There's a lot of different Reddit theories about all kinds of NFL things. Uh, the script, quote-unquote, has been wrong. 
uh, the the Super Bowl logo thing got debunked with the colors of the logo being the teams. It, it's wrong. But as for the script, there's a big rumor going around. This game is going to be a 24 to 17 win for the Chiefs, and Travis Kelsey is going to propose to Taylor Swift when they win on the 50 yard line. That'd be crazy. I'd actually be hype if that happened. I'm not going to lie. I think we're getting to Disney Channel movie territory again. I, I think we've already entered it. I, I will say, every old head I talk to, no, no, I don't mean that in a mean way. It's just older people. Um, that's what I should have said. But um, <laughs> they really do really like, genuinely buy in. And there's young people, too. Honestly, the young people probably talk about it more than the older people in terms of social media. But... A lot of people really do buy into this whole script thing. Not me. I don't believe it at all. I actually think it's really disrespectful to the players. You know, these great, great players who, you know, we. I'm a big MMA fan and uh, analyst here in the state of Ohio. And I always talk about how people enjoy watching fighting, but they don't really take into consideration that they're putting their lives on the line. And I think with uh, Hamlin last year, it made it a little more humbling to really realize, like, these guys are putting their whole body and lives on the line every time they play. So to think that they're just playing for, like, money and uh, a script to follow the, you know, the script, I mean, it's crazy to think. I mean, these guys are, you know, suffering from CTE when they get old and this, that, and the other and injuries that will never go away. So I don't know. I don't really like to buy into it. Um, surprisingly, I think a lot, I, I bring up a lot of sports conspiracies, especially with the MLB. But um, in terms of kind of script, if you want to call it that. Yeah. But, uh, no, I don't buy into it with the NFL. No, I think that's a good point, you know, humanizing the players, first of all, because it's so easy to just look at them as actors or Mm -hmm. whatever. But, you know, they're out there playing, and I I like your point that it's kind of disrespectful to just say that it's rigged when they're they're putting their bodies out of line. I don't think the script exists, but it's fun to put on the tinfoil hat. And narratives are fun. That's why people tune in in all sports are because of the narratives and the storylines. And I think a lot of the the rage towards Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey, I think a lot of that, that is kind of manufactured and dramatic. But it's a storyline. It's compelling. I don't blame people for right. for looking into these things. I don't think the script exists, but it, it, I suppose it's fine. It's fun. Like Michael Scott said, I'm not superstitious. I'm just a little stitious. And I kind of <laughs> do like to be that way, Drew. You know, if people yeah, talk about the sure. Drake curse or the Madden cover curse, that stuff's kind of fun because sometimes it, it's true. Sure. But it's like, no, there's not somebody... Uh, you know, a team of guys writing a script for the NFL season every year. I think that's just absolutely just disrespectful to think. Yeah, so. I don't agree with the script talk, but all I mean, it's a lot. Of, there's been a lot of eyes on it recently, yeah. uh, and I think this is a good point to just close because next week will be the actual Super Bowl. We'll leave these type of things for that crew to talk about. So, guys, we are at the end of our time here on Sports Power Talk. Uh, any final thoughts before we get off the air? Uh, yeah, I love baseball, and um, I love it a lot. Awesome. Drew, Couple any thoughts on your first show? Dr. Vankman, never tweet us again. Never. <laughs> also, your the account. Cleveland Guardians are now to be referred to as the G-Men. They are the Cleveland G-Men. And, you know, this was a great first show. Super glad I was here to, to talk ball with you guys. Thanks for joining. Absolutely. Uh, final thoughts. Kevin Durant is the greatest shooter in NBA history. It's not even close. Uh, make sure you vote you on our Around the Rue, which is though. currently tied. You literally said it wasn't It's close currently now. tied. On, it's not even close. Uh, make sure you vote you on our Around the Rue, which is though. currently tied. You literally said it wasn't It's close currently now. tied on Twitter.
It's currently tied. Just saying, and I didn't vote, and I didn't vote, and I didn't vote. My timbers are shivering. You, sh- you should be. You should be. I'm not at all. You want to put money on it? Alex, hey, I don't have money. WZ. <laughs> <laughs> I don't got all that. Theoretical money. Yeah, we, I don't got all that. Uh, that's going to do it for today's show. Uh, once again, I'm your host, Logan Conger. Joining me was... Alex Henry. Andrew Bailey. And next week, we'll be back. Same time, same place. I will be out. Matt Permuka will behind the, be behind the mic hosting the show with another great crew. So come back. Same time, same place right here at WZIP Akron. Entertainment Rebooted up next. <laughs>